0: Bible, every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And I believe that's true. Listen, we're in week three of our series, Running with the Giants. If you've missed any, you can go online and watch those. All the notes are there. You can catch up. I had uh, people from California last week text me, Hey, Pastor, we're watching the messages and and really enjoying that. So it's fun to be able to stay connected even if you're not here or if you want to go back. But the whole idea for this series was we're all in the race of life. We're all running our own race. And just imagine for a moment if in this race of life that one of these great Bible characters could step out of the stands just for a moment and go one lap with you. I mean, imagine one of the heroes of the Bible literally coming down and sitting down and walking around and saying, all right, for the next hour, the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to share with you some of my experiences and maybe it'll help you run your race. That's a really cool thought. And that's what this series is about. And so today, we're going to talk about one of the huge heroes of the faith, a guy named Elijah. Elijah. Now, listen, first service, apparently I said Ezekiel all the time. If I say Ezekiel, don't even worry about it. I mean Elijah. So I'm just going to say that up front. I had five people come up to me after service. Why did you keep saying Ezekiel? And I said, I don't even know I said Ezekiel. So if I say Ezekiel, forget it. I'm talking about Elijah. Elijah. I would say it's a senior moment but you know I'm not going to go there okay So <laughs> Hebrews 12:1 says this Therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us Here's what the, here's what the, the author is saying The reality is you really are running a race and it's your life And the truth is, you get to decide pretty much how your life goes. Now, I'm not saying things haven't happened to you, but the reality is you get to decide how you're going to run your race, but you're not alone. And we have the opportunity as a church to help each other run the race of life, but we also have all these Bible characters, and we are supposed to learn from their experience. And so today, that's what we're going to do. Now, Elijah's story is really, really cool. Elijah was a prophet, he was a prophet about 300 years after Samson lived. We talked about Samson a couple of weeks ago. At this time in the history of Israel, the country had been divided up into two different entities. The first one was the northern kingdom, and uh, this was an a, a interesting thing. I'll talk about that in a second. But the second kingdom was Judah. So there was Israel and Judah. And both countries, the reason they were divided up is because they had started worshiping idols. And it's the same for them as it is for us. Anytime you put anything else in front of God, you're going to get in trouble. And that's what happened. They, they started worshiping idols, started having bad kings come in, and the country really became divided. And uh, in the northern part of the kingdom at this time, when Ezekiel was a prophet, there was a king over that part of the country called Ahab. Anybody ever heard of Ahab? Now, I'm going to show my agent, Arab, chief of the burning sands. Every time I hear the name, that's where I go. I can't help it. I read the Bible, Ahab, there comes the song, Ray Stevens. It's just what happens. But this guy named Ahab was the king, and he was married to a lady named Jezebel, named Jezebel. Now, I remember as a small child being with my papa out at the farm, and we'd go out there, and we would have to move cows from one pasture to the other. I, would, I, don't, I don't know how old I was, five, six, seven, I wasn't old at all. But I remember any time we were out in the pasture and one of the cows started acting up and doing the wrong thing, guess what he called her? Jezebel, that old Jezebel, that old Jezebel. That's what he would call them. And so my first experience with who Jezebel was was not a good thing. It meant she was a big, fat, mean cow. That's what Jezebel was. And so when I started reading the Bible, and then here comes Jezebel, I'm like, oh, I know she ain't good because Papa said, right? (laughs) And sure enough, the reason he called those cows Jezebels is that Jezebel, Ahab, Ahab, guys, he was just weak. Jezebel was wicked. She was not a nice person. And any time, if somebody ever calls you a Jezebel, don't say thank you. They're not being nice. There are things in the South where we say, bless your heart, and that means something. But if somebody says, oh, you little Jezebel, that's not okay, all right? So, so she, though, she, guys, she's wicked. And what had happened is they were really promoting all this idol worship, and they were leading the people down a really, really bad path. Well, Ezekiel was a prophet, and he would go in, and he would speak the truth to the people. And, every, you know, they would get upset with him, Ahab and, and Jezebel. Well, Ezekiel had finally had enough. And he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have, how many of you have ever seen a dance-off? Anybody ever seen a dance-off? You know, where they're going to dance over here, and then this side, and everybody claps, and then you decide who can dance the best? Well, they did a prophet-off. Okay, and what they decided they were going to do is Ezekiel said, look, we're going to settle this argument once and for all. This is really what happened, not the dancing part. Okay, and they took 450 prophets of Baal and they said, look, I'm going to let you guys go first and you call out to your God and when he shows up, then we'll all know that he's God. But after you're done... I'm going to call on God, and he's going to show, and then we're, going to, we're just going to decide. So they did this dance-off. So what happened is they got out there in the morning, and the prophets of Baal for hours are calling out to Baal, and they're cutting themselves, and Ezekiel was being really sweet. He was standing over to the side going, maybe you should yell aloud, or maybe your God can't hear you. He's literally doing that. And then he says, maybe he's at the restroom, maybe he's on vacation. He literally said that to him. And they get more mad. You read the Scripture, it's what it says. And they're going crazy, finally wore themselves out. Baal never showed up. Why? Because Baal didn't exist. He was a little G God, not a real G, big G God. So Ezekiel says, all right, my turn. Y'all take a break, right? What? I said it, Ezekiel. I said it six times. Now they're counting. Look, sham, did I not say? Y'all are not listening. David's back there. All right. If I say Ezekiel, I mean? Elijah. So if I ever call you Ezekiel, I mean? Elijah. Thank you. You're welcome. So Jesus, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. Uh, bless my heart. Okay, I just did that. All right. Joey, stop. I know you're laughing. You need to quit. All right, so here's the thing, okay? The guy with an E at the front of his name, (laughs) he builds an altar, puts some oxen on the altar, puts some wood on the altar. He takes 12 stones, puts them around the altar. Each one of those 12 stones represented one of the tribes of Israel because there's 12 tribes. There was also a trench in there, and they took He said, bring me some water. So he had wood. He had the offering, the wood. Took and started dumping water on it until it filled up this trench. So now this thing is covered in water. It's I mean, he's just gone to the extreme here. And then he prays. He says, God, I'm going to paraphrase. God, show up. And the Bible tells us that fire from heaven rained down. It consumed the altar. It consumed the rocks. And I read it again this morning, and it said it consumed the dust. God showed up, dance off over, okay? But then uh, Elijah went one step further and gathered all those guys, thank you, thank you. This is on the interweb. There's people all around the world going, I am not knowing the words he's saying right now. I do not understand this. (laughs) That person was from Cape City. (laughs) So here's the thing, all right? So so it consumes the altar. Everything's gone, right? Everything's gone. But then Elijah takes it a step further. He says, now gather up all these prophets of Baal, and they need to be killed. So this was a bad day for them. But God showed up. But here's what happened. All the people right? Because you can imagine, everybody showed up to watch this. And now this is what the people said. God is the only God. He's the real deal. Well, that's not the end of the story because Ahab, watching all this stuff, and he goes, well, this isn't okay at all. I'm going to go back and tell my wife. That's what he sounds like. It's in the Bible. No, I don't know that. That's not true, but that's what he sounds like in my mind. So he goes back, and he tells Jezebel, well, you can read, read the Scripture. Jump down here. I'll, I'll just read it so you guys can see it. Here's what he said. It's 1 Kings 19:1 and 2. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Now listen to this, verse 2. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods, little G, strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you as you killed them. So this great miracle has just happened, Right? This awesome thing has just happened. And now, as soon as it's over, this message comes and says, you know what, I'm going to do to you what you did to them. Now, I want you to think about something before I read the rest of the story. I want you to think about this. Did, Did God just do this amazing miracle? Yeah, fire from heaven. Do you think God can take care of Elijah? But Elijah didn't think so. And the Bible tells us that Elijah fled in terror over Jezebel's threat he had just watched 450 guys I mean this amazing thing and you know what it's so easy for us guys to look at people in the bible and go they're so dumb I can't believe that I would never know you would have because we we try to distance ourselves from these people but the reality is they're just like us because here's the thing how many of you have ever seen God do something pretty cool in your life okay cool lots of people But how many of you also say you've doubted around the same time too? Because we can see God do a miracle, or maybe we see God do a miracle in in Andrew's life, but then we don't think he can do it for us. And listen to me, this is important today. It's all about your perspective. It's all about your perspective. And here's what perspective means. Perspective means how you see things, how you view things. How many of you wear glasses? All my glasses, people. Okay, do this real quick. Just help me out. Grab your glasses and then just lift them up. Your perspective, ah, somebody said. Your perspective just changed. Now you can put them back on, okay? But but my point is this. Your perspective changes. It's how you see things. And in that moment, Elijah had just seen God do this amazing miracle, but then something else happened and now his perspective has changed. Has God changed? Lauren, did God change? Same God. But what happened is Elijah's perspective changed. Well, God, I know you can do that, but I don't know that you can save me from Jezebel. It's not true, but it's how he saw things. So here's the big thought today. This is what Elijah would say to you. When life feels like it's falling apart, change your perspective. When life feels like it's falling apart, change your perspective. Maybe you're not seeing things as they really are. 1 Kings 19.3 said this, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. And he went to Beersheba, a town in, in Judah, and he left his servants there. He was in the northern kingdom and he fled all the way down to the southern kingdom trying to get away from Jezebel. Let me tell you what, two different kinds of perspective today. And then I'm going to tell you why it's important. You can have a perspective of faith, which in our case is trusting God. Or you can have a perspective of fear, which is trusting the opposition. I told you guys recently, and I've repeated it many times over the years, but psychologists tell us, they've studied all this, about 85 to 90% of the things that you fear are never going to happen. Never gonna happen. Most of you are never gonna be attacked by a shark in the Spring River. It's probably not gonna happen. But there are people that are scared of stuff like that and they will literally live their life. They live in fear. And here's the thing, as silly as that is, the truth is, a lot of you live in fear of certain things. And and here's what, I'm gonna give you my definition of fear. Fear is having faith in the wrong thing. Faith. And from a Christian perspective is having trust in God, no matter what the situation looks like. And what happened to Elijah is that he had faith in the wrong thing. He had more faith in Jezebel's ability to hurt him than he did in God's ability to save him. And I want to tell you how important uh, perspective is. Um, How many of you know our Kennedy Grace? How many of you know Kennedy? Kennedy's pretty awesome. By the way, uh, the deal Trish had set up, we go back on the 23rd of this month and she gets her bionic hand, okay? So we're picking that up. So when she gets it, she'll be back home in a few weeks and we'll have her come demonstrate. I fully expect her to have Star Wars powers. I think it's going to be really <laughs> awesome. But anyway, she'll, she's coming back. But Kennedy has always been the daredevil. Okay, River was here first service, and he would attest to that. But Kennedy's always been very brave, but she's also the youngest of three. And so you know how that is, trying to keep up with big brother and big sister. Well, Kennedy was probably three, maybe four years old. She's learning how to ride a bicycle. We were in a a protected area, but there was a a curb in the area that we are in, so she didn't want training wheels. And so she's like, rip those bad boys off. I'm good to go. So she's on the bicycle. She's pedaling around, pedal, 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 pedal. Well, all of a sudden, she just started going straight. And here comes the sidewalk, here comes the curb, boom, hits it, and it launches her. Okay? And then she lands. And then we're rushing over, and we rush up to her, and she's laying there, and we you know how this is, and you run up, and 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 Trisha's like, Kennedy, Kennedy, and Kennedy goes, Did you see that? <laughs> Did you see that? And we're like thinking, yes. And here's what she said: I flew. I flew. We thought she fell. From her perspective, she flew. Some of you need to hear that today. Sometimes you think you're falling and God's got you flying. Sometimes some of the mistakes that, mistakes happen in your life. You lose your job. You go through a hard time. It's a bad breakup, whatever your situation is. And you feel like I'm falling and God goes, no, 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 no. I'm just launching you. And you're flying. It's your perspective. Because here's the deal, guys do you trust God or not? At the end of the day, it's about whether we trust God or not. Because my Bible says that everything in my life that happens, God can make it work out for my good. But my perspective has to line up with that statement. Am I living in fear or am I living in faith? Do I believe what God said? I mean, here before every service, this is my Bible. Every word in it is, do I believe that? Because that's about my perspective. That's the glasses I should be looking through. Do I believe it? But Elijah, like many of us, he lost his way. And his perspective changed. And he didn't think he was flying. He thought he was falling. And I'm going to talk about something here for a few minutes that I think is very, very important Elijah went through a season of depression here. And depression is a real thing. And I know as I speak to you guys right now, some of you battle that. Or some of you maybe have family members or friends that deal with depression. And, and I'm gonna show you something from a biblical perspective here that God wants to speak to you about today and it can change your everything. Because you're gonna see how God looks at this. And if you'll apply it, it can be really good for you. But let me tell you the first thing that I think Elijah would say to you we are only alone if we choose to be alone. We are only alone if we choose to be alone. Look at 1 Kings 19, 3 through 4. Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and notice what he did. He left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Does that sound like Depression. Here's what he said. Listen to this. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Now, listen, you've got to put this in perspective. It wasn't but just a few hours ago that we saw God do this amazing miracle. And he was there. As a matter of fact, he was the person that God used. He's the one that said God, and God showed up. And we've gone from that to sitting underneath a broom tree going, God, kill me. What happened? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you right now in this room probably feel that way. God, I've seen you do great things, but I'm just tired. God, I don't know how you're gonna get me out of this. God, I'd just rather die. But can I say this to you? Sometimes in the moments that we really need people, we withdraw. And guys are the worst. I mean, there's a reason the guys, we want to build a man cave. Yeah, what are you doing in the man cave? You get away from everybody else. It's not a whoa, man cave, Jack. It's my man cave. I'm going to go be by myself. And let me just tell you something. There is nothing wrong with spending time by yourself, and you need to do that from time to time to draw and reflect. This week, I felt like I needed to go down to the river and spend time praying, and I was too busy. There's a problem with that. Sometimes we need to get away and speak to God, and I needed to do that this week, and that's on me. I'm gonna make sure next week I don't do that. But a lot of times this guys, stuff goes on and we don't like it. So what do we do? We withdraw from people. And Elijah, we see this situation, and this is exactly what he does, Brandon. He goes, and things don't go right. And so instead of bringing his servant with him to say, hey, remember what we just saw, boss? Hey, remember what just happens? He gets off by himself. The problem with getting off by yourself is who are you listening to? Yourself. He was feeding himself bad information, and that's what happens. Sometimes in the moments that we really need people, we withdraw, and that's a mistake. We need people. The Bible tells us two are better than one. Why? Because if one falls down, the other one can pick them up. That's what the Scripture says. We need each other. When I went to SWAT school with Brian and Steve and all those guys, one of the first things they taught us in SWAT school was this. One is none. Two is one. You better have a partner. Why? Because if you get stuck, you need somebody to help you. And if you're by yourself, you're in trouble. But Elijah didn't follow that advice. He went off by himself, and it wasn't okay. But here's the other thing that, that Elijah would say. God's plan is always better than our plan. How many of you like to figure everything out? Can I see your hands? Tricia Carroll, raise your hands. Good. Okay, perfect. Monica, thank you. Okay. There are a bunch of you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to have everything figured out. Okay. And, and here, here's what your life's like. Say, so, hey, uh, what are we going to get the kids for Christmas? We got to do this and you got a list and you got to go and 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 every, everything. And then if something doesn't happen the way you want it to, what happens? Thank you. That's right. You become Elijah. I just want to die. It's a pair of shoes, right? <laughs> but what happens is our perspective gets messed up. But God's plan is always better than our plan, always better than our plan. First Kings 19, four through five. Then he went alone into the wilderness traveling all day and he sat down, take my life under the tree, take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors. But look at what God did. Look at verse five. Then he lay down and slept underneath the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him what? Now, I'm going to give you a little nugget right here that's not in your notes, but it's worth thinking about. Sometimes you just need to get up and eat something. I'm just being honest. How many of you have ever been hangry before? That means hungry and angry all at the same time. You know, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes, and in this situation, we see that. Notice what the angel did. Todd, he didn't say, listen, I'm going to wake you up, and I'm going to preach to you for a little while. And then, you you know, no, he said, you need to get up and eat something. Jesus fed the 5,000. Why? Because they were hungry. And he knew he couldn't talk to them in such a way they could hear him because physiologically they can't work that way. The Bible is very practical. He's like, we've got something to talk about, but you need to eat first. And some of you are starving yourself to death physically. And I mean, you're eating the wrong stuff, not me, but you know, you. (laughs) But you're feeding your body the wrong stuff. And in this situation, we see God say, get up and eat something. Now, guys, listen to me. I'm going to help you right now because I love you. If your wife starts acting grumpy, don't say to her, are you just hungry? Okay, can I help you right now? Don't do that. Say, look, Pastor Chris, you know what your problem is, babe? You're just hungry. Here, have a Twinkie. Don't do that, okay? That is not okay. That is not gonna work out for you, okay? Don't do that. You're welcome. You'll thank me later, okay? But here's something you need to understand, guys. And listen, this is important. God's perspective is bigger than yours. God sees, Jamie does. God sees the big picture. You only see what's right in front of you. You only see, see right now, I can't see outside this room. I don't know what's going on out there. But God does. He sees the big picture. And the decisions he makes and the things that go on in life, the things you understand and the things you don't understand, you need to understand God closes doors and opens doors. Why? Sometimes in life we beat on a door to open and we don't understand on the other side of that, it's a rattlesnake. And I was brought up, if something doesn't work out, Scott, kick the door down. Make it happen. Can I tell you what, guys? I've kicked the door down before and then thought, how are we going to shut this thing? (coughs) Right? It's kind of like on our road, we've got dogs that like to chase cars. One of these days, I'm just going to stop. Because here's what they're going to do. They're going to run up and go, now what do we do? (laughs) Do you know how to drive? I have no idea how to drive. What are we going to do now? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like a dog chasing a car. They have no idea why they're doing it. They're just doing it. And then when they catch it, they don't know what to do with it. And sometimes God is protecting you, but you can't see that. And you're so intent on getting on the other side of the door, and God's like, you have no idea what's behind this door. But it comes down to trust because he sees the big picture, and you don't. And Elijah's about to learn that. Look at number one on your notes. We're almost done. Here's what Elijah would say to you. Look at number one. Elijah would look at you in the eyes and he would say, you need to learn to trust God in the moment. You need to learn to trust God in the moment that you're in. Trust him. So what happened? Look at verse uh, 9 through 14. Then Elijah came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Can you almost hear that? God's saying, look, didn't we just do this big miracle? Weren't you there? Why are you over here in a cave in another country? Elijah replied, listen to him now. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They have torn down, hey, God, they've torn down your altars, and they've killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. That's what he said. Everything's bad, God. That's why I'm here. You're wondering why I'm here? Because everything is going wrong. That's why I'm here. And look at God's response. Does God debate with him? No. This is what he says. Look at verse 11. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. Now listen, I'm going to explain something here. And this is a key on getting yourself out of a dark place. This is a key, listen to me. I'm gonna jump down here. The first thing that God's gonna ask you to do is move out of the cave. And let me tell you why. How many of you have ever been in a cave? When you talk in a cave, what happens? Echo. Echo. So Elijah's by himself. Do you think, this story seems pretty rehearsed to me. So he's sitting inside the cave And he's going, everybody's trying to kill me. Everything's going wrong. Everybody's trying to kill me. Everything's going wrong. And all he's hearing is himself. And when you're dealing with depression, who are you listening to? So, what does God say? Let's get out of the cave. You need to change your perspective. And for some of you that are dealing with a dark place in your life, can I just encourage you today, and I believe this is God speaking to you right now, some of you need to get up, you need to eat something, and you need to change your circumstances. You need to get out of your cave. You need to get out of your cave. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said, and as Elijah stood there, watch this, the Lord passed by and a a mighty windstorm hit the mountain, but it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in that wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard that, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then a voice said again, what are you doing here, Elijah? I think it's awesome that the Bible tells us everything. This is just being really transparent about this guy's life and where he is. And notice he walks out and there's this fire and wind and all these amazing things. And I think a lot of times we look for God and stuff like that. And I'm just telling you, he's involved in those things. But can I tell you, a lot of times God just whispering the peace of God. And he's in the sound of the whisper. And guys, a lot of times he's talking to you, but you've got so much going on that you can't hear him because he's whispering. And you've got to get yourself still and you've got to get out of the cave and you've got to say, Lord, speak to me. So God asked him then the exact same question he just asked him in the cave. Why are you here, Elijah? But see, what's different is he's not in the cave anymore. He's not listening to himself anymore. Now he's stepping out. And he tells the exact same story. This is what he says. I've served the Lord Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars. They've killed every one of your prophets, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It's healthy for us to be able to be honest with God. Some of you, when you're dealing with stuff, you need to be able to talk about it. And notice, I love the fact that Elijah felt like he had such a good relationship with God that he could be honest with God. Some of you don't want to tell God how you really feel. Can I just give you a newsflash? He already knows. But you can trust him. The reason you don't want to talk to him is because you're worried about what he's going to say. God, I'm mad at my wife. God, my kids are driving me nuts. God, I hate my job. Lord, I feel like everybody's against me. God, I feel like you abandoned me. Why did you abandon me, God? Can I tell you something, guys? And this is something I've learned as a 52-year-old guy, is that God is bigger than my questions. And the Bible tells us that man looks on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And when you're asking those questions, God is bigger than your questions. And he loves you. Have your kids ever asked you something before that was hard? Have they? Nobody, nobody's kids have ever asked them anything. Thank you, Crystal. Yeah, sometimes your kids ask hard things, but you know what? You wanna give them the right answer even if they're asking the wrong question. And Elijah was asking God the wrong question. And notice God's response. Well, look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7 first. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. When you do that, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You need to come out of the cave and then you need to let go of all of it. You need to let it go. You need to release that stuff and say, God, I don't understand why this has happened in my life. God, I'm I'm upset at you. God, whatever the situation is, but you need to be able to go to God and trust him and release that stuff and let it go. Here's the second thing that I think Elijah would say to you. You're never alone. You're never really alone. You're never really alone. The Lord, then the Lord told him, go back the same way that you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Then appoint Jehu, the grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mela. La, 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 la. <laughs> That's what it says. Y'all just trust me, okay? Anoint him to replace you as prophet." Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. What was Elijah saying? I'm the only one. He thought he was Tigger. He thought he was the only one. He said it twice. God, I'm the only one. What did God just say? There were 7,000 of them that weren't, weren't bowing their knee to Baal. 7,000. But the problem was, from Elijah's perspective, all he could see was his limited view. And there were 7,000 other people out there that were in the same boat that he was in. They weren't bowing their knee either. God sees what you don't. You got to trust him. I want to help you real quick before I go to this last point. say, Pastor, that sounds great. You want me to trust God, but I don't know if I feel like I can. Can I tell you something? Faith is not about feeling. Faith is about action. Faith is about action. And you don't have to feel like trusting God to trust him. You just have to trust him. You just have to step out. Some of you might be saying, man, I'd love to go help in the prison and go help Todd, but I just don't know. You know what? If you are feeling that way and you feel like God may be calling you, then you need to trust God and let him help you. I can promise you, when Trish came to me and said we were pregnant, I thought, I don't know how to be a husband. We got pregnant after eight weeks. We've been married. I haven't even figured out how to be a husband yet. And then she comes to me and says, hey, you're going to be a dad. I'm like, do what? (laughs) But sometimes in life, you just got to trust, and you got to step out and believe that God's going to help you. Somebody needs to hear that today. Maybe that's you. Elijah would tell you, let God direct your path. See, God immediately began to give him orders. He stepped out of the cave of depression, and God immediately said, I've still got stuff for you to do. I want you to go here. I want you to do that. I want you to do this other thing. But if you're in the cave, you can't get there. But if you'll step out of the cave, I've got stuff for you to do. Let God direct your path. But then you gotta learn to trust God's word. Here's what the scripture says, Isaiah 30, 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Listen. If you're ever wondering what to do in a situation that you're facing, the only question you need to answer is, what does the Word say? What does does the Bible say about my situation? What does it say? Do that. You say, well, pastor, is it specific? Look, sometimes it's specific. If you're wondering, you know, pastor, I've been wondering if I should sell cocaine to help pay for the building. Can I just tell you, that is not God, right? Right? That is the devil. (laughs) Don't do that. You know, sometimes it's real clear about the decisions we're supposed to make. But what about when it's a job transition? Or what about when it's something that's not moral? There's not a sin involved. What do I do then? What you have to do is learn to trust God and listen to that still, small voice and pray, and God will direct your path. And can I tell you something? If he shuts a door, trust him. If he shuts a door, trust him. Because if you kick it down, you may end up with something you don't want. Amen? That's a good place to say amen, guys. All right, here's the last point. So we're now back around. We've done our lap with Elijah. Elijah. (laughs) And we're back at the front. And he's about to walk up into the stands. This is the last thing he's gonna say to you. You ready? you need to learn to trust God's goodness towards you. You need to learn to trust God's goodness towards you and you say, Pastor, why is that important? Here's why it's important. You need to believe that God has a good plan for you because if you don't believe that as a a primary function, if you don't believe that God's got a good plan for your life, then why should you trust him? But he said, I know the plans that I have for you, and they're good and not evil. Come on up, buddy. To give you a future and a hope. God's plan is good for you, but you've got to believe that. Because if you don't, then you're liable to just go do anything. But if you know that God's got a good plan, and you'll rest in that, Dave, rest in that, Bubba, would you? Trust him. And allow him to guide your steps. You say, pastor, what does that look like? Can I tell you right now? Because I love you. I don't know exactly what that looks like for you. I don't know. But can I tell you in my life? In our life? We've just learned, God, we're just going to trust you. God, I'm just going to believe your word. Because you said you love me. Because you said you love me, I'm just gonna believe you. Man, I could probably write books on all the things in my life that I chased so hard and finally caught that after I caught them, I thought I have wasted my time. Right, Tracy? Come on. But the best things... The things I treasure the most are the things that God brought me. Her, my kids, you guys. Turn to your neighbor and say he's talking about you. Turn to your neighbor and say he's not sure about you. He's still... Seriously, you guys are... I couldn't have imagined how cool y'all are. Really. Really. but it took saying yes to God and believing that when he said move to Arkansas to a place you've never heard of to a people you've never seen trust me kind of worked out right what about you what about your life Some of you need to stop struggling and relax in the love of God and allow Him to lead your steps. Allow Him to guide your steps. Say, God, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm going to trust you. It'll work better for you. It'll work better for you. That's what Elijah would say. Get out of the cave Get out of the cave Amen Let's enter into an attitude of prayer Just for a second Just everybody bow your heads So thankful for you Thank you for coming today I know every week There are people dealing with different things Some of them I know about Most of them I don't you chose to be here today and I believe that God has spoken to you I believe whatever it is you have going on in your life where you need to hear from him that maybe something that Elijah had said would stick in your heart maybe you find yourself today in, in depression it's dark and you don't know how you're going to get out And God's speaking to you and says, It's time to come out of the cave. It's time to let people help you. It's time to be whole. Maybe some of you are concerned because you doubt God. You've seen God do things. Maybe you've even seen God do things for other people, but you don't know that you believe He can do it for you. Can I just tell you today that He wants to? Just have to trust him. And the final group of people that I want to mention to you today are those that are just needing to be honest with God. Some of you just need to have a heart to heart with God and tell Him really what's on your mind and be honest. To say, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm upset, I'm hurt, I don't understand. But God, I'm gonna give it all to you. And I just tell you right now, the peace of God is in this place. But it doesn't have to stay here. The peace and the presence of God can walk out of here with you. If you'll let him. Some of you today need to make a quality decision to turn things over to God and let him lead. To open and close doors. Give him control. And as you do that, you're gonna find peace. Lord, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus for every person in this room. Lord, I thank you that you love us with an unconditional love, a love beyond anything we could imagine. And I know there are people in here from all walks of life, all different kinds of backgrounds. But I also know this, Lord, every one of them is handcrafted by you. There is not one person in here that's an accident. You call us your masterpiece. You tell us in your word that you know us by name. and that you love us perfectly and infinitely. Lord, I'm asking you right now that you would speak to hearts and Lord, those that are struggling, that you would bring them out of the cave. Even right now, you're bringing them out of the cave. And Father, for those that have been questioning you, that Lord, you'd give them answers. And for everybody here today, Lord, that we would choose to trust you. That we would learn to trust that your plan for us is good and that we could rely on that that because you are faithful. You are faithful. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm gonna dismiss you guys, but as I get ready to do that, I want you to think about something. The only way that you know how strong a relationship is is to is for it to be tested. Okay? That's the only way you know. And some of you in your marriages and your relationships with your kids, about whatever, those relationships have been tested. But here's my question for you. What about your relationship with God? The only way you're gonna learn how strong that relationship is, is to trust him. And step out in faith. Because can I say this to you today? Because I love you. You've done it your own way and it really hadn't worked. So why not do it his way? Amen. And trust him. And watch what happens. Amen. Well, let's all stay in this morning. Todd's going to be down here at the front. On my left, your right. Anybody wants to talk to him about prison ministry, come down. I'm just so thankful for the presence of God in this place. Do y'all sense that? He's just good. Do me a favor, grab your neighbor's hand this morning. You're like, man, y'all pray a lot. Yeah, well, that's how it rolls. Father, bless these folks. We're going out into a world that needs a lot of help. And Lord, it's a dark place. And you have called us to be the light of the world. You've called us to be a city on a hill, shining so that people can see you so, Father, as we leave this place, to help us to be that? Help us be your hands and feet in our family, in our community, where we work. Lord, let us be your hands and feet everywhere we go. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. And we'll see you hopefully next Wednesday.